but I'm a full-time podcaster. You might be worried that I'm going to sell out and put ads and paywalls on the podcast. Well, have no fear. I'm not going to do that. I'm never going to do that. I'm always going to be committed to this podcast being a free resource for anyone and everyone who wants to know more about astrology or even just hear my voice. Astrology and philosophy have changed my life and I really want to give that gift to anyone who listens. I'm able to continue keeping this podcast out from behind a paywall because of my awesome, awesome patrons and the people who buy my goods and services. If you like what I do and you want to help keep this podcast free and clear for others and yourself, consider supporting my work. My patrons receive monthly horoscopes, retrograde guides, discord access, and additional content that doesn't make it to the podcast. If monthly subscriptions aren't your bag, I totally get that. You could also make a one-time donation to the podcast, buy a poem or a tarot reading, or you could even book a consultation with me. I have spots opening up in October. Leaving a review on Spotify or iTunes, or even just sharing the podcast on social media or with a friend are also awesome ways to help out the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. I appreciate all of you and the support that you show. Which, speaking of my patrons, today's episode was suggested by one of them. They listened to the podcast with their daughter while driving to school, and her daughter asked if she could be a meteorologist or a cat psychologist with her chart placements, and then requested an episode about careers via your astrology. So if you ask, you shall receive, and today we're going to be diving into whether or not you can see careers in a birth chart. And for the record... I vote cat psychologist. Before we get too deep, we're going to have to suss out the difference between jobs, careers, and life paths. A job is something we do to pay the bills. A career can also pay the bills, but it has more longevity and investment required, whether it be time, emotion, or money. You give more to a career than a job. And a life path is a faded path you'll walk, but you don't necessarily have to make money from it. If you're a really lucky individual, you're going to be able to make all three of these things line up. Being able to walk your faded path and turning it into a career is a beautiful thing. But that's not always how it works for everyone. And based on what's going on in the chart, it might not ever supposed to work that way. This is fate and fortune we're talking about. It doesn't always line up the way we would want it to. Today, we're going to focus on looking at just the career portion of this equation. We have to remember that careers are generally a lifelong endeavor. They take a lot of time and hard work. So while you might not feel your career where you're currently at in your life, if you see it in the birth chart, that means it's still unfolding. Our birth charts are static, but the energy behind the placements are kinetic It's constantly moving, it's growing, it's changing. And as we change and progress through life, it grows and changes and moves with us. That's why timing techniques like perfection years and secondary progressions work. They show the kinetic value of the chart. When we talk about careers, I'm including both passion and money. A life path is just passion and a job is just money. If we fuse those two together, we can see what kind of career a person would likely thrive in. And if the word career is too capitalistic for you, then just think of it as a calling that you make a living from. A living doesn't mean rich either. It means a sustainable living. We aren't going to be talking about how successful your career will be or what kind of notoriety 
you'll receive so much. We're strictly talking about how to find what a good career or calling would be for you, but also money and notoriety do play a part in those. So we'll talk about those a little bit. Let's just start by mapping out what this looks like on the chart even. I think once we get into it, it'll kind of explain itself. There are three main houses that have to do with career and money subjects. We're going to be looking at the second house, the sixth house, and the tenth house as a general rule. If the midheaven isn't in the tenth house, then we'll want to include the ninth or the eleventh house based on which one the midheaven lands in. The second house is all about money and material goods, your relationship to money and your feelings about saving and spending. It can even indicate minimalism or hoarding if we're looking at it from a material goods standpoint. This house will give us an idea of what we do to make money. It indicates our attitude and energy surrounding the idea of making money itself. This house is often the biggest indicator of a job, which is what pays the bills. The other two houses are what can take the idea of a job and turn it into a career. But in general, the second house really, really focuses on our relationship to the material world and a lot of the times money. This house has to do with what sustains us. And since we live in a physical world, it's all about money. It's all about the exchange of energy and money in the second house. So it's going to show our relationship to that, which is very important when it comes to our career. If the second house is your general attitude towards money and the energy surrounding the money you make, then the sixth house is how you take that energy and assert it towards others. The sixth house has a few varying significations, but one of the big ones is work life and subordinates. It's about what we're in service to and how we can serve others, which when we're trying to look for a career or a calling in a birth chart is going to be super important. How can you use your talents and your skills to serve others in the world? How can you be of service to other people? Because that's what a career is, right? You're taking your skills and your talents and your ideas and you are giving them to the world. You are being in service to the world at large. So we're taking the attitudes of the second house and we're blending them with the action of serving others in the sixth house to kind of get an idea of, okay, how can I take my talents and make money from them? The 10th house is the last house that we really need to consider when looking at a lifelong career or calling. If the midheaven is located in the 10th house, then we're only looking at that one house. If the midheaven is located in the 9th or the 11th, then we need to look at the house it's located in as well as the 10th house. I have examples for both of those situations, so we'll go over that in a little bit. The 10th house and the midheaven are going to tell us what the person gets notoriety for. What it is about them that gets them noticed and what will their reputation be like? It's how someone goes about getting what they want and the energy of their achievements. That's a really, really big one. The energy of their achievements. And uh, that comes from a lifetime of work. Everything in the midheaven house is extremely public. So it's going to be the parts of the career or the calling that people see the most or what they put on display. It's not about money or what they do, but more so the culmination of their actions and achievements based on the other two career houses. The other two career houses pave the path of the midheaven that the native walks. 
They could be penniless, but extremely well-known and in service to others, which one of my examples showcases that situation so, so well. And I'm really pumped to talk about that one because we could end up being famous after we die. We could end up not making any money until way later in life, or we could make a bunch of money, but remain anonymous. There's a bunch of ways that these houses can kind of work together. So the 10th house doesn't really indicate money. It more so indicates exposure, reputation, fame, notoriety, and that's for better or for worse. Just because you have a packed midheaven, a packed 10th house, doesn't mean you'll be known for good things or the right things. We can see our relationship to money, how we can serve the world, and what we'll end up being known for and the context surrounding our accomplishments. When we first examine these three houses, we'll want to look at what planets are in them, if any. If you have planets in any of these three houses, they'll help inform the energy and attitude of the house itself. It's going to help inform what's actually going on in that house. The condition of the planet will also matter. If it's in domicile or detriment, can change how that area of the person's life will play out and also how they utilize the energy of the house. Not everyone will have planets in each of these three houses. So this is where we go back to the old trick of using the ruler of the blank house in the blank house. Finding where the ruler of a house is located in the chart will give such amazing insight as to what's going on with that house, especially if it's an open house with no planets or placements. I recommend using this technique even if you do have planets in the house. Finding out where the ruler of the house presides is like adding that extra layer of interpretation. So whether you have planets in the second, the sixth, or the tenth or not, I still recommend looking to where the ruler is to give that extra context because it really just is the cherry on top for as far as like information and interpretation goes. A super quick example would be having the ruler of the second house in the ninth house. And this could mean the person makes money from spiritual endeavors or has a more spiritual or philosophical attitude towards making money. They could also make an income from something that requires a college level degree or take a job that includes foreign studies or travel. And again, we'll get into this more with examples. So don't worry if you're confused about that method or you can't quite see it in your head. I also recommend maybe having a chart in front of you or your chart in front of you so you can follow along when I'm saying these things and kind of see like, okay, the ruler of the second and the ninth, and you can just really follow along. And if you really want to go go for gold, I would bring up that person's chart that I'm talking about if you can. And remember, I work in whole sign houses. So if the house ruler is Leo, you're going to want to look to where the sun is in the chart. If the house ruler is Gemini, then you're looking to where Mercury is in the chart and so on and so forth for each sign. The ruling planet of the house adds that influence and the condition of the ruling planet matters as well. These are all the little nuances that can add up and really sway what the faded path looks like. It might look like one thing at face value, but then you start getting into the details. And it's just really important to always look at the details. The devil is truly in the details. And it's Virgo season. So that's like my slogan for Virgo season is that the devil's in the details. I've been focusing pretty hard on these three main houses that indicate money, service to others, and life path. And that's because that's what we're mainly talking about. But that's not to say that other houses don't play their part. 
taking the entire chart into consideration is always important when we're looking at it for anything really, but especially something as big as our career or life calling. Because like I said before, the chart may be static, but it holds kinetic energy. It has so much latent energy that's waiting to be activated as you progress through life. I never thought I wanted to take a spiritual path or be a meditation teacher or teach astrology, but it's certainly there in my chart. And for a while I looked at it and I was like, I don't know what this means. I don't understand this. And now here I am and I fully understand it. So we have to give ourselves room to grow into our charts and just room to grow in general and be free and not, yes, fate is real. And that's my stance on it, that fate is real and you are bound to it. But Don't be so bound to it in the sense that you try to figure it out all at once. Don't be so quick to demand answers from your chart. I also want to point out that these three houses are going to be in a trine with each other. You can often have a grand trine in these houses. These placements and planets within them will be working in a synergistic way. These three houses will be of the same element, so we can even get an idea of what someone's career or calling will be like just based off of that. Water callings will be intuitive and filled with close connections and potentially have a more spiritual bent to them. Fire callings will be intense, fast-paced, and potentially turbulent. They definitely won't be for the weak, but they have great promise for those willing to face the flames. Earth callings will be methodical and sturdy. These people want to build empires and leave their mark on the world. It's all about the physical world for them. And that's what this is. The, this life calling, these life paths, these careers are of the physical. So earth callings really want to build that empire. Air callings will want to do the same but in more of an inspiring way. They want to inspire people. They'll want to assert their ideas in the world and honestly really be an innovator in their industry. I love being able to go back to the basics and use the elements as a tool for looking at something like career and life calling. It really showcases the power of the elements and how even the simple concepts hold a great amount of weight. One last thing I want to say before we get into the examples is that If you have a bunch of placements that aren't in the career or life calling houses, then please just listen to them. A great example of this is Walt Disney. His sixth house and 10th house are completely open and his second house only has the moon in it. His fifth house, however, is absolutely jam packed. Both the ruler of the second and the sixth are in the fifth house and the ruler of the 10th house is in the third house. When I look at his chart, It is absolutely clear he's going to do something big with creativity and potentially children, which we know that was the case for both. His money and his service to others was based around his creativity and desire to create entertainment geared towards kids. And if you want to know more about Walt Disney and his life, I used him as my fifth house episode example, so you can go listen to that. But right now, he's a great example of how you can have not a lot of placements in the career and money houses, and still have an enormous career and life calling. As for Disney's ruler of the 10th house and his third house, his biggest accomplishment was changing the way people used imagination. And that was actually his entire goal, to inspire people and get them to think differently. He revolutionized the cartoon world and he used his love of unbridled imagination to fuel his passion for the industry. Now let's get into some other examples. I know I just kind of did an example with Walt Disney, 
But that was to show you what it's like when you don't have a lot of placements in the career and life calling houses and one of your other houses is fully loaded. So maybe I kind of already started examples. I don't know. Let's just get into these other charts. And I am so excited for this first one because first up, we have super cool guy, Tony Hawk. Tony Hawk's career or life calling houses are in the element of fire. He has an Aries ruled second house with Chiron and Saturn in there. A Leo ruled 6th house with Jupiter in there, and a Sagittarius ruled 10th house that's completely open. His midheaven is in the 10th house, so we'll just be looking at those three houses, no blending of other houses involved. If you haven't watched Tony Hawk's documentary, Until the Wheels Fall Off, I highly suggest you do because it's so solid, and it really showcases these placements that I'm about to talk about. Tony Hawk might be wealthy now, but he wasn't always. In fact, at one point in his career, he lost everything, he sold his house, and he made some really bad financial decisions. Having Chiron and Saturn in the second house will do that to a person. He also constantly felt like an outcast within the skateboard community, but seeing Tony Hawk present day, you can clearly see that those placements came to bear fruit over time, as they tend to do. As he matured, so did those placements. I'm actually really interested to see what happens in the next few few years for Tony Hawk when his second Saturn return happens, so I guess stay tuned for that come 2025. Tony Hawk's sixth house has Jupiter in it, so we know there's going to be some goodness there. The sixth house also has to do with our physical body and just physical ailments or injuries in general. He has sustained so many injuries while being in service to his calling. He's broken his pelvis, elbow, fractured his skull, and has had over 20-some concussions. He even recently, just a couple months ago, I think, broke his femur. But he refuses to quit and somehow keeps coming back to his calling without fail. He's even been quoted saying, I think the bravest thing that I've ever done is to chase a skateboard career into my adult life. Which that just feels very Jupiter and Leo. He will continue to serve his craft until the wheels literally fall off. This notion is doubled down by the fact that the ruler of his 10th house, which is an open house so no placements are there, is in the 6th house. He's made his name by being in service to the industry of skateboarding. Tony's chart gives off the vibe that skateboarding is a demanding mistress. It brings him fame and fortune but he also gives his body and his lifeblood to the sport. The ruler of Tony's second house is in the fourth house, which is showcased by the deep support that his family showed him throughout his career. His father really pushed him and encouraged him through his formative years. He also encouraged him to buy his first house at 17, which we know that didn't work out in the long run because, again, Tony had to mature on his own. He had to go through those growing pains and those struggles to really understand money because of Saturn in the second house, but he still had his family support. It still stands that Tony always had the support of his family throughout his career. The ruler of Tony's second house is also Mars, so if having Saturn and Chiron in there wasn't enough, it's going to be flavored with Martian energy. He's had a lot of ups and downs with skateboarding and the money he's made from it. His career wasn't as linear as some might think. He made bad decisions early in life, and then the popularity of skateboarding took a dive in the 1990s. He muddled through, and he used that Saturnian energy in the second house to keep pushing. I've mentioned our charts being static in picture, but kinetic in energy. I'm really interested to see what happens with Tony and his business birdhouse, 
come his second Saturn return. So if something happens in 2025 to like 2028 with Tony Hawk, you heard it here first. He has that Saturn return coming up in the second house. I'm just really interested to see how his life and his business still unfolds when that shows up. Let's switch gears entirely and look at an example that showcases these houses, but in a completely different way. We're going to look at the chart of Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa was a Catholic nun and founder of Missionaries of Charity. She was well known for taking care of the poor, sick, orphaned, and dying. She's also known for devoting her life to the cause of serving others and even establishing care and homes for victims of AIDS. She went on to win a Nobel Peace Prize for her work and famously denied the money that comes along with the prize, saying she wanted it donated to those in need in India. And that is a super brief synopsis of her work and honestly enough to showcase the majority of her placements here. If you want to do a deeper dive, please feel free. But for the purposes of what we're doing here today, that should be a solid enough background. Mother Teresa's career and life calling houses are in the element of earth. This indicates a toiling, a hustle, and some kind of work that's going to leave a mark on the world. Remember, building an empire, really building something that changes the world in some way. It gives me this image of somebody shaping mountains and just like somebody forming different kinds of mountains in the world. And it's just very much in a very true and physical way. Earth is of the material world, so people with earth callings will truly impact the physical world as we know it. Her second house is ruled by Capricorn, and it's completely open. Her sixth house is ruled by Taurus and has Saturn and the moon in it. And her tenth house is ruled by Virgo and has the sun, Mars, and Mercury in it. Since the second house is an open house, let's see where the ruler is. Capricorn is ruled by Saturn, and Saturn is in the sixth house. This indicates that Mother Teresa made her money by being in service to others. Now, what she did with that money personally is a whole different thing. The ruler we're looking at is also Saturn, and Saturn is big on charity. If you're ever trying to do a Saturn remediation, the first thing I recommend is donating your time, money, or energy to something. So we see Mother Teresa made a living from being charitable and being in service to others. But what exactly was she in service to? The ruler of the sixth house, Venus, is in the ninth house. To me, this instantly screams being in service to a higher power, a spiritual calling, or just straight up religion. Mother Teresa felt the call to serve God when she was about 12, so this could not be a more on-the-nose delineation. Having Saturn and the moon in her sixth house shows her long-term dedication and emotional investment of serving others. She truly believed that what she was doing was right and it was just, and her religious beliefs fueled her mission, sometimes to her own financial and personal detriment. The last house we have to look at is the 10th house. The ruler of the 10th house, Mercury, is in the 10th house, and it's also in domicile. So we're literally just focusing on the 10th house here, and there's a good bit to unpack. Unlike Tony Hawk, Mother Teresa's 10th house has a lot going on, which, what a sentence that was. I love that these two are my examples right now. Mother Teresa has a decently packed 10th house, and Tony Hawk has an open 10th house. I think the name Mother Teresa is a ubiquitous thing. People use her name... Even if they don't really know her or what her work was, they'll say, well, I'm not Mother Teresa, but I'm, a still, but I'm still a good person. Or, you know, I'm no, I'm no Mother Teresa when they do something bad or, you know, whatever. They'll just be like, well, I'm no saint. I'm no Mother Teresa. 
Whereas Tony Hawk might be a massive influence to some people, but for the general population, not so much. Tony Hawk's Twitter is actually a hilarious thing because he brings up all the times people don't recognize him. And it's, it's so funny to me. And he has such a great sense of humor. What I'm talking about here and why I'm comparing these two in their 10th houses is to show you that Mother Teresa is a, it's a ubiquitous term at this point even. Whereas Tony Hawk, still alive, is still a person that is de- decently well-known, but he doesn't get recognized. It's a very strange phenomenon, and I can only explain it via his chart that the 10th house has no placements in it. People just cannot. It's like he's cursed. He cannot be recognized by the masses. So we can clearly understand the influence of the 10th house. We can be a huge household name, but if the 10th house doesn't have the juice, then you might not get recognized or be as well-known as you think. You're still loved and adored, just not recognized or famous in a traditional way. Mother Teresa, however, has a pretty packed 10th house, and the 10th house indicates not just fame, but also achievements and reputation. Mother Teresa won a Nobel Peace Prize and was canonized as a saint, and I think those are pretty big accomplishments. Uh, they're not ones that everybody would want, but I think they're pretty, pretty high as far as like human standards go. And again, she's just one of those names that people recognize and seem to know about, even if they don't know about her. Having a packed 10th house isn't all rainbows and kittens, though, especially when a malefic is involved. Mother Teresa has Mars in the 10th house, which immediately indicates some sort of scandal to me. When we leave our mark on the world and our legacy lives on, the energy of our chart is like a resonating wave that can be felt. Nowadays, the achievements of Mother Teresa aren't so loved by all. The world has changed and it's ever-changing and there's a lot of criticism that comes out towards her and her legacy. There's literally an article by Vice News called Mother Teresa Was Kind of a Heartless Bitch. So I think that makes it pretty clear that there's some malefic energy floating around her reputation somewhere. Sometimes it's not so bad to have an empty 10th house because while you might not get recognized at the airport, you surely won't, some, won't have someone write a Vice article about you with that kind of headline. A packed 10th house comes with the potential to be scrutinized and to be seen as problematic, which Mother Teresa is definitely seen as by a lot of people in modern day. Her methods have been criticized. What she believes has been criticized. So just know that if you are a public figure, because I think a lot of people in our day and age want fame. They want to be like, well, I want to be famous. My, my 10th house doesn't have a lot in it. I want to be famous. And it's like, you don't realize what comes with that. There's a lot of scrutiny that comes with notoriety. So sometimes it's better to just be able to do your thing and be really good and be cool. And at the same time, be unproblematic. I feel like those two examples could not be more different people with more different life paths, but they hopefully served as solid examples to showcase how we should look at our career and life calling houses when trying to interpret what they'll look like for us. And one of them is still alive. And that's why I say that with Tony Hawk, I want to see what that second Saturn return brings. I want to see what's going on there because The chart is static, and yes, we see what his career has been like so far, but there's still more that's going to unfold. Whereas Mother Teresa, who is dead (laughs) now, her life is done. We can see it wrapped up neatly with a bow on it. 
I think it's good to look at both examples, people who are still living and people who are no longer with us and try to thread the needle of looking at, okay, this chart has somewhat completely unfolded because the person is no longer here. They're not giving anything more with that, the chart's energy. And then looking at someone who is still here and the chart is still actively unfolding. There's so many good examples to look at and it was really hard to narrow it down. Leonardo DiCaprio has his Saturn in the 10th house and everyone knows that he had to wait forever to get an Oscar. It was like the universe's favorite joke for so long until it finally happened. He had to wait for over two decades until he finally won an Oscar. He's considered one of the best actors in the world. Like if you look up like a list like best actors in the world right now, he is on that list somewhere. But Saturn in his 10th house really said, nah, I'm gonna make you wait for that reward. He did finally get it. He has the accolades, but for some reason you could be amazing and you could be great just like he is at acting, but he had to wait and he just had to bide his time and he had to put in his dues and then he finally was rewarded. But damn, if it didn't take a while. Oprah is another great chart example for career and life path. She's one that has the midheaven in the 11th house, which makes so much sense for the type of career she had as a TV talk show host and then going on to do so much in the realm of media itself because that's what the 11th house is about. Yes, it's, it's public. It's not as public as the 10th house per se, but it is about media and connecting with people. And that's what Oprah was really, really good at and pretty much made her career off of. Both the ruler of her 10th house and the 11th house are in the third house which lines right up with the notion of having a talk show that you do with regular frequency and changing the way people think and just being involved in the spreading of ideas. I could go through 100 examples and talk for days about these placements, but I think you get the gist of it. So now it's time to look at your own chart. Look at the houses of career and life calling and see what they feel like. Let them speak to you rather than trying to force them into the idea of what you think you should be doing. Again, I never thought this would be my life path. I was certain I would stay at my job as a scientist and work in that field and be comfortable and pay my bills and live my life. But did you hear what word I used? Job. What I was doing before as a scientist was a job and what I'm doing now is a career, a life calling. It can take well over 30 years to find your calling. So if you don't see it or feel it right away, just let it unfold. Some people will be really lucky and they're going to know what their calling is early on. And some people are rambunctious fire signs that need to grow up a little more before they're ready to travel their path. Look at your chart and see what's unfolded for you up until this point, And then try to look at it with non-biased eyes and see what it's saying overall and what latent kinetic energy is lying underneath the surface just waiting to come forth. If you want more astrological content before the next episode, consider signing up to become a patron of my work. I have exclusive blog content, monthly horoscopes, retrograde guides, and a Discord waiting for you to join. You could also leave a super, super cute review on iTunes or Spotify, which I would be eternally grateful for. Head on over to my website, check it all out, and thank you in advance for supporting me. I'll see all you babes later. Later.